The date is Friday the 4th of August. I'm Jason England and welcome to Learn Something, where I will consume your brain space with weird and wonderful facts about science, technology and geek culture and I promise you will learn something new that you've never learnt before. On today's episode, we talk about Nutella, the London Underground, Sugar Hill Gang, and also, I get round to answering the question about exactly which director would have worked on Jurassic Park if one of us had won the film rights. Stick around, this is going to be a fun one. Happy Friday, everyone. And we kick things off with Nutella, the chocolatey, nutty spread that I personally hate. Uh, do feel free to send through any kind of hate messages to me on Twitter at Mr. Jason England or call into this segment and tell me how wrong I am. Um, but it turns out that Nutella actually has very few hazelnuts in it. It's actually 58% sugar and 32% fat, most of which is palm oil. This comes from a report from The Guardian that deconstructed Nutella to show you just how much of the different ingredients are in it. And it's absolutely crazy. So while many people love this lovely brown gloop that was born in Piedmont, Italy, it's actually jam-packed full of not very good ingredients. So whenever you hear people saying it's part of a healthy diet, feel free to tell them they're wrong. And now we head over to Ireland and we go back in time to 1845, which was the time that the Great Potato Famine started. At this time, the population had reached highs of around about 8.5 million people. It probably would have leveled off at a value of 9 million had it not been for the famine. And after that, the population disappeared and went all the way down to 5 million people. And here's where the amazing facts, well, not amazing in positive in any way, shape or form. It's terrible, but it's quite fascinating to know this. The Great Potato Famine of Ireland killed so many people that Ireland's population is still, to this day, lower than it was prior to the famine. There isn't any particular reasons behind this, but it's quite a shocking statistic. There are an estimated 55 million people worldwide who can trace their ancestry back to Ireland. And Ireland is now a country that has not managed to go back to its former population levels. It's just about gone over 6 million people so far. Astronauts have quite an interesting diet. The space food is a variety of products that are specially created and processed for consumption by astronauts in outer space. So it is stored in usually freeze-dried powders or in bite-sized cubes or semi-liquid stuffed into aluminium tubes so that it can be stored for longer and it can also be consumed in weightless environments of manned spacecraft. You will see many examples of this in film where it's usually in aluminium tubes or in little silver packets that people suck the food out of, all the way up until 2007, where astronauts made and ate hamburgers on board the International Space Station. But this is not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Chinese astronauts' diets. So China's first man in space, Yang Liwei, revealed while in orbit, 
He and the crew of the 2003 Shenzhou 5 mission consumed dog meat from Huajian country in Guangdong in China. The dog meat was served as late as 2009, according to a menu from a mission. Let's see how much you like this one. Um, I can't really see it being an Instagrammable meal, but let's go through the menu that they had. On the first day, they had lotus root porridge, crispy tofu with spring onions, braised yellow croaker fish, pork ribs with seaweed, spinach with minced garlic. On day two, they had spicy pig skin, braised duck neck, heavy crab with ginger, chicken liver with chili, pine nuts with sweet corn, and three flavour soup. And on the third day, they had poached egg in fermented rice soup, harbin sausage, baby cuttlefish casserole, eel with green pepper, spicy beans with dried tofu, and, most more importantly to this piece I'm doing, huajiang dog. According to the LA Times, the favourite dishes on the shuttle and space station missions included the freeze-dried shrimp cocktail, irradiated beef fajitas, and shelf-stable cherry blueberry cobbler. Yang Liwei's revelation has generated criticism and sparked controversy over the morality of using dogs as food. Jill Robinson, the founder of Animals Asia, criticised Yang, who said was a role model for children. She told The Telegraph, Dogs found survivors after the Sichuan earthquake and protected people from potential terrorists during the Olympic Games. Surely they deserve more. Another spokesperson for Animals Asia warned the health risks associated with the farming, slaughter and consumption of dogs. Now, China is continuing with an ambitious space program that hopes to see a Chinese space base, the Tiangong-1, which has been launched into space. Now, no news has come out yet about the menu that they're taking up there with them, but I know that they've been contacted multiple times about this, so let's see what comes out of it. And now we move on to the Sugar Hill Gang. Rapper's Delight was a hip-hop song released in 1979, but little do you probably know that this song, often considered the first official rap song, was recorded in a single take. The song is ranked number 251 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time and number two on VH1's 100 Greatest Hip-Hop Songs. It is also included in NPR's list of the 100 most important American musical works. American? The 100 most important American musical works of the 20th century. It was preserved into the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress in 2011. And the song also notably includes musical parts of Sheik's Good Times, resulting in band members Nile Rogers and Bernie Wo- Bernard Woods suing Sugar Hill Records over copyright. A settlement reached allowed the two to receive songwriter credits. And now we come on to what's probably the most mind-blowing fact that I found this entire week. Today I learned that the universe is expanding faster than light. So even if we do make a spaceship which can travel at the speed of light, we will never, ever be able to get to that part of the universe. That ship will be gone forever while it's trying to get to the edge of the universe. Now, I know what you're thinking. How on earth can the universe expand faster than light travels? It seems crazy. Like, you take a look at the supreme iron law of the universe that you were told over and over and over again, nothing 
can go faster than the speed of light? Well, it turns out that they are wrong. Let's get the big picture out there first. It's important to note that we live in an expanding universe. There are slight motions on top of that general expansion, leading to instances such as the Andromeda galaxy heading on a collision course for the Milky Way. But in general, in the biggest of pictures, the galaxy is getting further away from one another. And a key feature of this expansion is how uniform it is. Imagine a bunch of people standing around the edges of a stretchy piece of fabric, tugging at it. Let us assume they're choreographed well and are able to walk backward and pull at the same rate. You, standing in the middle, would correctly observe that your universe is expanding. Any objects placed on that fabric would slowly move away from you. And because that stretchy stuff is stretchy, the objects on the fabric close to you would appear to move away with some speed, but the farther objects would appear to move faster. Even though some folks doing the pulling are moving at a constant speed, the apparent stretch changes with distance. So, if we are to take this stretchy fabric comparison and apply it to the universe, it's as if the edge of the cosmos gently tugging at the fabric of space-time and you see the galaxies further away moving at a faster rate than the galaxies closer to you. I swear this is true. Meaning that you're probably following along kind of all right until that odd megaparsec popped up. So let's go into what that is. One megaparsec is one million parsecs, which is 3.26 million light years. It means that if you look at a galaxy one megaparsec away, it will appear to be receding away from us at 68 kilometers per second. If you look at a galaxy two megaparsecs away, it recedes at 136 kilometers per second. Three megaparsec away, 204, and so on and so on. So for every parsec, you can add 68 kilometers a second to the velocity of a faraway galaxy moving away from you. So, what you get there is eventually at some point the concept of this velocity means it goes it moves away faster and faster to the point where it moves faster than the speed of light and you will never get to the edge of the universe and your final fact of the day and final fact of this week comes from london a particular london underground Today I learned that during an upgrade to the London Underground, a control room was accidentally flooded with concrete. Workers were sent to nearby supermarkets to buy bags of sugar to dump into the concrete, which stops the concrete from setting. Reporting in the Telegraph, James Edgar said the section under Victoria Line from Warren Street to Brixton was closed after the leak damaged the signal control room at Victoria Station which caused misery to thousands of rush hour commuters, even though any time I've ever been to London, the majority of people on the underground already look miserable. So I don't know why this will make things different. Transport for London said the line was reopened after engineers worked tirelessly through the night, getting bags of sugar from nearby supermarkets and stopping the, com the cement from setting. A source told the Evening Standard when they realised what had happened, they went out and bought bags of sugar and threw it on because that stops concrete setting as quickly 
The embarrassing mishap occurred when engineers who were working on a long-term upgrade at the station poured concrete into voids in excavations from for a new escalator control room. When it seeped through to the control room below, the newspaper reported, the signalling room sits between the north and southbound tracks and it's the main box controlling trains for the entire southern half of the line. They were pumping in concrete from an escalator tunnel down to the new platform and there must have been a crack of a hole. He added, the only word for it is a F up of major proportions. Everyone was effing and blinding when they realised what had happened. And you know we Brits, we do love a good swear. Okay, I know I said that the previous fact was the last fact, but this one has just came into my inbox and I need to share this one with you. It, I've been dying with laughter sat here reading this one. <laughs> Today I learned that some of the shooting stars that you can see from Earth, chances are you've seen one in the night sky, are actually astronauts poop burning up in the atmosphere. Let's listen in on a NASA astronaut talking about this. When you go to the bathroom on Earth, you're relying on gravity pretty, pretty heavily. Imagine if you were halfway done and somebody shut off gravity, it would be a mess. And you'd float off the toilet. So, so when, we, when we designed our space toilet, first it has to have a seat belt on it to hold you down. And then we decided to separate solids and liquids because they're easier to store that way. So we just have a tube that you pee into and it has air pulled into the tube. So it's not a big deal. For the women, there's a cup fits up against them. For the guys, it's just like a little funnel. You just pee into this tube and it goes into a, into a sewage tank. But the solids that come out of your body, that's a harder problem to solve. And it's an important medical one because on Earth, everything falls on the floor. But in space, it's going to float around. So, so it, it'll really make you sick. If you re-ingest something that came out of your body, it will really make you sick. And we can't afford to get that sick. So we designed a toilet that instead of gravity pulling everything into the toilet, it has air flow. There's air pulled down into the toilet. Sort of windy when you're sitting there, but it pulls everything out of your body. Everything that comes out of your body gets pulled down into the toilet by the air. And then in the storage tank, we just expose that to the vacuum of space. So it basically just freeze dries everything. So it kills all the bacteria so that there's no smell. And then, then, then we just store it. And then when you have a whole bunch of it stored, we put it in a little unmanned supply ship and we undock it and it burns up in the atmosphere. So the next time you see a beautiful shooting star going across the sky, <laughs> that's what it might be. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to react to that either. But it could literally be raining poop anytime you look up at a shooting star in the sky. Now let's get round to answering your trivia time question from before and give you a new one to think about over the weekend. So yesterday I told you about the four-way studio bidding war for the film rights to Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park which included Warner Brothers and ultimately the winner Universal Studios who went on with Steven Spielberg to create the film you know and love today and I asked you if Warner Brothers had won the bidding war who would they have had to direct it and I can tell you that the answer with a very naff drum roll 
on the desk was Tim Burton. Yeah, when I said it wasn't who you were expecting, that's that's exactly what I was saying. So who do you think he probably had playing all the different roles? <laughs> First of all, it would have probably been a very gothic style. And chances are they would have had Johnny Depp playing the singing T-Rex and Helena Bottom Carter as the Velociraptor lover. And now for your question to think about over the weekend. The yo-yo can be dated back to a certain year. What year is it? Once again, the yo-yo, the popular children's toy, can be dated back to what year? Call in with your answers or pop them in the comments. Just let me know if you're a good history buff or whether you have no idea. And that's it. Thank you for so much for listening. Thank you for so much. <laughs> Let's try that again. Thank you so much. That's how you say it for listening. And I hope you enjoyed. If you're listening to this on Anchor, your feedback is greatly appreciated. Do call in and let me know what you think to the show. If you have any weird facts that you want me to share, call in with them and I'll be more than happy to echo them onto the station. Um, I'd also love to talk to you about these kind of weird facts as well, so do pop them in the discussion. Or if you're enjoying what you're listening to, do give it a favour or applaud the station. Any kind of appreciation like that is warmly welcomed. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast service across the planet, Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. Um, If you have the time, we'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you're listening to and give it a rating. Give it five stars, give it a good review. And if you want to take part in any of the trivia time stuff, you don't have to just be on Anchor to do so. You can also tweet at me at Mr. Jason England, or you can get at me on Instagram or Snapchat. So all that's left to say is have an amazing weekend. I know that I sure will as well. I've got my friend's wedding coming up and apparently she's gone for a very Rick and Morty themed one. So super stoked to see what that means. Wubba lubba dubba dub. Goodbye.